And, you know, I was talking with, uh, I don't know, John or Jonathan yesterday. I can't keep having a hard time remembering who I talked to. Anyway, we were talking about knowledge being increased in the last days there in Daniel 12. Many will go to and fro and knowledge will be increased. Well, that is, that is true physically. There's so much technology. We're able to sit here and look at each other all around the world. That still boggles my mind because it wasn't that way just, you know, 1990 you couldn't do this. We can see each other all around the world, and it's, it's not jerky like it was to begin with. It's really, it's like we're right here together. Just an incredible blessing. So forgive me if I carry on about that. It's just that it is something we need to appreciate. But knowledge is being increased mainly. The, the main thrust of that statement was spiritual knowledge would be increased here in these last days. That's true for every generation. I understand that. It's an is, was, and will be statement. As you grow in Christ, your, your knowledge begins to really increase. But it also has an end-time, climactic, dispensational application, and we're living in it with the ability to, to uh, dig into the Word of God like we do with all the tools that are for. We are growing in grace and knowledge, and knowledge has been increased exponentially. Doors to heaven are being opened for us. So let's get into our study here today, starting in verse 1, chapter 50. Thus saith the Lord, where is the bill of your mother's divorcement, whom I have put away? So God divorced his wife, his first wife. Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? Behold, for your iniquities have you sold yourselves. And for your transgressions is your mother put away. Now that, that just sounds like we did it. It's all our fault. Well, the Lord has opened our eyes to see that what we do is actually him doing it. Whether it's good or evil, he's made us to know that it's not I that do it, but sin in me. It's just an old English word for why. Why, when I came, was there no man? When I called, there was no one to answer, none to answer. Is my hand shortened? Now listen to what he says next. Is my hand shortened at all that I cannot redeem? Are these things beyond my control? Or have I no power to deliver? No, the, that's, what he's, that's, that's his whole point. Behold, at my rebuke, I dry up the sea. You know? You, you, he's saying to them, you all are familiar with what I've done. You know what I've done. I made the rivers a wilderness, and their fish stink because there was no water and died of thir for thirst. I clothed the heavens with blackness. Now there, there he is. He's telling us right there why there was no one to come. And I make sackcloth their covering. It's God that covers the, that makes darkness and covers the heavens. The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak 
a word in season to him that's weary. He wakens morning by morning. He wakens my ear to hear as a learned knowledge being increased. The Lord has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. The fact that the scriptures begin with the story of the physical creation testifies to the theme of all the rest of scripture. That theme is the vessel clay was marred in the potter's hand, so he's making it again. And it is making, it's not made. He's making it again, another vessel, as seems good to the potter to make it. It's in the what call stem, which is the artist. It's it's something that's ongoing. God is in the process of creating man in His image. That's is Jeremiah eighteen four. The concordant correctly interprets it, and marred is the vessel He is making, as clay in the hand of the potter, and He has turned and makes it another vessel as it was right in the eyes of the potter to make it. So it's a, it's a process that's still taking place. As I said, the call in the Hebrew equates to the arst in the Greek. Both are spoken with no regard to any tense, but rather a simple statement of fact. God is making man in his image. In other words, the message being delivered is a simple, true statement of fact. In this case, the fact is that God is making his clay creature, Adam, and all in him into another vessel, a new man made with the spirit and mind of God. A new man. What is not said in Jeremiah but it is said in sixteen four, the Lord has made all things for himself. Yes, even the wicked. And that just means Adam, because Adam is wicked for the day of evil. So the truth of the Lord's word, purposely con contained only in its sum, uh, and it cannot be known by quoting just one verse of scripture. Psalms 119, verse 160 is so critical to our understanding of the word of God. The sum of of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous ordinances endures forever. Well, that's one of his righteous ordinances. You've got to seek out the sum. If we know and believe that the Lord has made all things for himself, he has even that Isaiah 50 verse 1 is part of the day of evil, which the Lord has uh, the Lord's harlot wife was for which the Lord's harlot wife was made. Thus saith the Lord, where is the bill of your mother's divorcement? And I want you to notice, he's talking about your mother's divorcement, and then he talks about you. Where is the bill of your mother's divorcement, whom I have put away? Or which of my creditors is, is it to whom I have sold you? Our mother and us are one and the same to God. Jerusalem above, and you and I are one and the same to him. And so it is with Babylon, when we're in Babylon. When we're divorced from God. 
it's Babylon and it's each of us individually while we're there. Behold, your, for your iniquities have I sold you. Have you sold yourselves? For your, and for your transgressions is your mother put away. So let's just put that in those terms. For your iniquities have you sold yourselves, and for your transgressions are you put away. He doesn't really, he goes back and forth, but he's saying the same thing to each of us if we have ears to hear. The words your mother addressed to this great harlot in Revelation 14, 17 verse 4. And notice how the Holy Spirit goes from your mother to you, and then goes from your transgressions back to your mother. The fact is that these words are being spoken to whoever reads of Matthew 24, 15. Whoso reads, let him understand. And to any of the, we, we think that that's talking about what he says in Matthew 24. Yes, it is talking about what he says in Matthew 24. But it's talking about what he says anywhere in Scripture. It's not, not simply for the New Testament. To any of the Lord's people to whom he has given eyes that see and ears that hear the things of the Spirit. This great harlot is none other than God's own wife. The, the churches of Revelation 2 and 3, whom he himself labels a harlot in this very prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah 1, verses 21 through 25. How has the faithful city become a harlot? It was full of judgment. Righteousness lodged in it. But now murderers. Your silver has become dross. Your wine is mixed with water. Your princes are rebellious and companions of thieves. Everyone loves gifts and follows after rewards. They judge not the, law of the fatherless, and neither, do, neither does the cause of the widow come to them. Therefore saith the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the mighty one of Israel, Ah, I will turn my hand upon you and purge, and purely purge away your dross and take away all your tin. Yes, the Lord has made us wicked for our day of evil, but he's going to purify us. He's going to purge us. Now, does any of this take the Lord by surprise? Is the Lord wringing his hands because of our adulterous ways? Absolutely not. The truth is he's working all things after the counsel of his own will, for our good. After he has made us to err from his ways, hardened our heart from his fear, he will return the tribes of his inheritance by chastening and judging us for our sins and dragging us back to himself. It's all written in each of our books before they, we were ever born. And the Bible says so. In your book, Look at the very next verses, which are part of the introduction to this entire prophecy. <clears throat> and I will restore your judges as at the first, and your counselors as at the beginning. Afterward, you shall be called the city of the righteous, the city of righteousness, the city, the faithful city. Zion shall be redeemed with judgment and her converse with righteousness. Redeemed with judgment and righteousness. The destruction of the transgressors and, the, and of the sinners shall be together. 
and they that forsake the Lord shall be consumed. In other words, our old man has got to go. That's all that's saying. The transgressors and sinners are our carnal, rebellious, rebellious carnal mind, who is destroyed within us by the fire of his words. That is accomplished in very few indeed in this age. I mean, there are just very few people who can accept that they don't have free will. Very few people who can turn the other cheek. Very few people who can resist not evil. We want to resist evil, and we don't want to turn the other cheek. And we want to believe that we are the ones who make our decision. Oh, we make them. Oh, we make them. And I know Christ is never denied. That's why he says, You're that he is working all of it. So, but through those who are chosen in this age, those who are not chosen will be destroyed in the lake of fire and will be made into a new man. Prepared. The lake of fire is prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, verse 41. Then shall he say to them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Now there's that, what fire is that? Well, it's the word of God. But this is prepared for the devil and his angels. This isn't prepared for God's elect. The devil and his angels are the last ones to be saved. But they will be saved. That's what the fire does. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. They will be saved yet so as by fire, even though the works are wood, hand, stubble. Romans 11, verses 30 and 31. For as you in time past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief, even so have these also now not believed that through your mercy they may obtain mercy. Through your mercy they may obtain mercy. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work, any man's work, abide, which he has built thereon, he will receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as by fire. So the Lord has all already figured it out. He knows exactly what he needs to do to save his creation. We are all as waters built upon the ground, which you can separated from him. It's in Samuel somewhere. The only works which abide the fire are the works. Let me are the works which are purified by fire. All other works are burned up by the fire, and the fire is the word of God. Only those who overcome the lies and false doctrines of the adversary during this present time, with that fiery word, that's the only way you can overcome them, will receive a reward. This reward for those whose works endure the fire is contrasted with the man whose works are burned up, who shall suffer loss. 
of the reward given to those who are in the resurrection of life. There's a resurrection of life and a resurrection of judgment. There are only two res resurrections. One is to life and one is to judgment. Contrary to what we've been taught about all those whose works are burned up by fire, notice what we're told about what that fire does to every man. Every man's work should be made manifest. The day will declare it. It will be revealed by fire, and the fire will try every man's work. If any man's work should be burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Yeah, so is by fire. The fire of Scripture is not designed to torment with no other purpose in view. Oh, it's designed to torment, but not with no other purpose in view. Rather, as a symbol of the Word of God, it is designed to chasten and scourge us until we repent of our rebellions and sins. Repentance, which produces the fruits of repentance, is the fruit of the fires which shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Hebrews 12, 6 and 7, For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son he receives. One is he whom the father chastens not. Well, it goes on to say it's a bastard son. Somebody's not really his son at all. They go through the chastening, but they don't get anything out of it. This is all exactly what the Lord tells us he does when we commit spiritual adultery against him. Verse 2, wherefore, why, when I came, was there no man? When I called, there was none to answer. Is my hand shortened at all that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? Behold, at my rebuke, I dry up the sea. I make rivers a wilderness. The fish stink because there is no water and die for thirst. So there you go. That's why there was no man. And that's what the Lord will do. Question. Was there answer? Does anyone really believe that the Lord didn't know the answer to those questions? Is he actually seeking the answer from us? If so, why then does he go on to ask two more questions? Is my hand shortened and all that I can't redeem, or have I had no power to deliver? Then he goes on to demonstrate that he has all the power in the world to redeem and to deliver, just as he delivered Israel out of Egypt. Behold, at my rebuke, I dry up the sea. I make the rivers a wilderness. Their fish stink because there's no water and die for thirst. To answer the Lord's questions in the bluntest terms, the Lord himself reveals this to be the reason there was no man when he came and there was none to answer. Now this is Isaiah 63, verse 17. O Lord, why have you made you made us to err from your ways? That's Romans 7 right there, seven, verse 17 and 20. Why have you made us to err from your ways with your law of sin in our members and hardened our heart from your fear? Return for your servant's sake the tribes of your inheritance. That's what he will do. He will do that. All these things and they're written for our admonition. And Christ tells us the same was true of those Jews which believed on him, but could not continue in his word. The, the Israel and Jews during Christ's day and in the flesh were the same as the Jews in Israel of old. 
Christ tells us of both. His word has no place in them. But he's also talking about us and our old man. It's That's what Israel stands for. That's what the Jews who believed in Christ and wanted him dead stand for. They stand for us who believe in Christ and yet just cannot hear and receive his word. John 8, starting verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him. That, that, that is a bombshell, as they've been saying so much in, in the news lately. That's a bombshell right there. This is the Jews who believed on him. This isn't talking about people who don't claim to know Jesus. If you continue in my word, if you abide in my word, that's what that word continue means. Abide in it, live it. Then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Then answered, they answered him, any man. How can you say we should be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say, and the servant abides not in the house forever, but the son abides forever. If the son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Now, now notice there, there's a difference between a servant and a son in this particular case here. Servant doesn't abide. He comes he sees it, and on with joy receives it. But the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, carry him away. Or the, or the adversary comes and gobbles up the word before it can even take root. So there are two groups, two different peoples in your womb, as he told uh, Tamar. Or, or, or Rebecca, I mean. I know that you're Abraham's seed. Now listen to this. I know you're Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. Now, one of the tools that keeps the truth hidden right out in the open is the fact that the word of God is bright light and darkness. Bright light to one and darkness to the other. And that's demonstrated by that cloud which is Christ at the Red Sea. It's, the Word of God is both. It hides and it opens. If, if Exodus 14, verse 18. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me upon his horse. Now, I want you to know that Christ I want you to see what he says just a little bit later, just to demonstrate the point that we're making here. This, this word of God is both light and darkness. And the angel of the Lord, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud and darkness to them, to the Egyptians, to those who don't know God, but it gave light by night to these, to his elect, so that the one came not near the other all the night. The very same pillar of to the Egyptians was the very same pillar which was light by night to the Lord's Israel. The pillar of the cloud was Christ. 
and he had the same has the same effect upon the men upon men when he emptied himself of his divinity and came to this earth in the form of a man. Now that's what the Bible teaches. Who existing in the form of God counted not being an equality of God to be grasped, but emptied himself. And he died. Now, God cannot die, but Christ can, because Christ is not God the Father. He is God the Son. We're all gods. But don't kid yourself that you're the Father with life in yourself. Not. But emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men. So Christ emptied himself of his divinity to come down into the realm of the flesh. And he prays back to his Father and says, Father, uh, uh, give me the glory that I had with you before the world began. He's now in the realm of death. He's no longer a pillar of cloud by night or by day and a pillar of fire by night. And yet, even his, in his humbled position as sinful flesh, he still has the effect of being light to those who are his and darkness to those who are not his. As it was when Christ was in the flesh, so it is now. It is those who believed on him who wanted to kill him because they could not receive his words. Now here we're going to continue right on there in John 8. He said to the Jews that believed on him, if you continue my word, then you're my disciples indeed. If you abide in it, if it takes root, <clears throat> and you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered and said, we're Abraham's seed. We were never in bondage to any man. Why, how, how, how say you, you shall be verse 37 now, Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me <clears throat> because my word has no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father. You do that which you've seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham's our father. And Jesus said to them, if, if Abraham were your, if you were Abraham's children. Now, mind you, like I said, I wanted you to notice it. Verse 37, I know you're Abraham's seed. Verse 39, if you were Abraham's children. If you were Abraham's seed. It seems like a contradiction. But when you understand the difference between the things of the flesh and the things of the spirit, it is no contradiction whatsoever. If you were Abraham's spiritual children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth, which I heard of God. This did not Abraham. You do the works of your father. They said unto him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I He sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Why can't you understand how you can how I can say you're Abraham's seed? And even because you cannot, doesn't say you don't want to, he says you cannot hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. 
That's the doctrine of Christ. Hebrews 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let's go on, let us go on into perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God. And then in 2 John, verse 9, there's only one. Well, 2 John 1, verse 9. Whoever transgresses and abides not in the it, lives it, stays in it. He has both the Father and the Son. Forgot to put the Holy Spirit in there. I speak as a, as a, as a fool. The doctrine has never changed. From Genesis to Revelation, Christ has always taught. Many are called and few are chosen in this present time. Israel was typically the fewest of all people because it's a type of who we are. Deuteronomy 7, verse 6 and 7. You are a holy people unto the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a special people to himself above all the people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord didn't set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people. That's talking about the natural was first, and afterward that which is spiritual. He's always taught us that the seed of the serpent would first wound the heel of the seed of the woman, and then the seed of the woman, Christ, would in the end bruise the head of the seed of the serpent, who Christ has just informed us includes those who believe, which believed on him. Those that believe on him, but don't abide in his work. That's what it's talking about. That's the seed of the serpent, of their father the devil. To the extent that he makes the wicked of the day of evil, informs the darkness, and creates evil. These are his own words. Proverbs 16, 4, the Lord has made all things for himself, yes, even the wicked, for the day of evil. Isaiah 45, 7, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. The Lord explains why there was no man when he came, and when he called, there was none to answer. Here it is in his own words. Very next verse, I clothe the heavens with dark blackness and make sackcloth their covering. We've demonstrated in previous studies that when the Lord speaks of the heavens and the earth, he's speaking of our heavens and our earth. Job 37 verses of his voice and the sound of the whole heaven, his lightnings unto the end of the earth. In other words, he's speaking to us. Lamentation 2.1. How has the Lord covered the daughter of Zion with a cloud in his anger and cast down from heaven the beauty of Unto the earth, the beauty of Israel. So the Lord gets angry at us. Not some kind of anger that he's not, not in control of. It's a designed anger, intended anger. There are few indeed who understand how God could be in heaven, how Christ could be in heaven while he's on earth.
but that's what we're told. John 3.13. No man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. While he was talking, he was in heaven. While we're talking, right here, right now, we are in heaven with Christ. But it hadn't happened. All the people who talked with Christ audibly back in the Old Testament didn't have the relationship we have with him, even though we don't have what would you have? Spiritual reality for the physical type. Well, most people will take the physical type. They would rather be there when God is walking Israel through the Red Sea than when he's delivering us from our sins. That's just that's just a fact of being flesh. Read this biblically-based study entitled, Where is Heaven? to understand that the Lord can, that the Lord can say he covers the heavens with darkness. You've got to understand what heaven is to understand that. So I hope you'll take the time to look at that if anybody has any questions. Darkness, the, the title is, you know, what and where is heaven? And we need to know what heaven is and where it is. And the Bible is so clear on that subject. Darkness is symbolized the absence of truth and the lack of understanding. The healing of the man who was born blind in John 9 it comes right after John 8 and typifies how every man is first born spiritually blind, that God, that the works of God should be made manifest in us. You know, that story's not there just to be given us a story. It's there for our admonition. And as Jesus passed by, John 9, verse 1, he saw a man which was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, say, Master, who did sin? Look at these self-righteous disciples, like typifying us. Who did sin, this man or his parents? It's not. We do things that make us what we know. No, no. His disciples were just typifying the people of their day who believed they had free will and that they caused things to happen. Who did sin, this man or his parents, said he was born? Jesus answered, neither this man has this man sinned nor his parents but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. The total spiritual darkness of the, of the heavens of our old man is the darkness with which the Lord covers our heavens before he does this, verse 4 and 5. The Lord is... As the learned, the Lord has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. This all happened, Isaiah, and is written for our admonition. But why has the Lord chosen us instead of people who are, without a doubt, far more qualified to speak and to lead others than we are? The Lord wants us to understand why he has chosen us and why he has opened our ears to hear the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Deuteronomy 9, verse 13, is he which goes over before you as a consuming fire. He shall destroy them, and he shall bring them down before your face. So shall you drive them out. He shall, you, you get that, you notice that. He shall drive them out. He shall bring them down. So shall you drive them out. 
and destroy them quickly, as the Lord has said unto you. The Lord does what he does through us, but we have to do it, or it's undone through us. And he has to do it in us, or it's not done. Speak not in your heart after the Lord has, God, your God has cast them out before you, saying, for my righteousness, the Lord has brought me in to possess this land. But for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord drives them out before you. Now, we've already established that our wickedness is a work of his hand, too. So it's all of him. Not for your righteousness or for the uprightness of your heart do you go to possess their land. But for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God has does drive them out before you. Now, the Lord made us wicked for our day of evil. He makes them wicked for their day of evil. He doesn't call us for our righteousness, but because he has a plan he's working out. That plan necessitates that there be those who are not called and those who are called. Not for your righteousness or for the uprightness of your heart do you go to possess their land, but for the wickedness of those nations, the Lord God does drive them out before you, and that he may perform the word, his word, which the Lord swear unto your fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God gives you not this good land to possess it for your righteousness. For you are a stiff-necked people. The land and the people is speaking of the people of the land. God isn't talking to dirt. Well, he is in the sense that we're dirt, but he's talking to us. When the Lord speaks of this land, he's speaking of his people, us as his people. And he's telling us who we and what we are. He's telling us we are not a righteous people. Stiff-necked means rebellious. And he's telling us we are very rebellious. We're a rebellious people who just naturally hate the bright light of his words. This is what the Lord wants us to know about ourselves, as we all are by nature. John 3, 19. And this is the condemnation, that the light comes into the world. And men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. We read that and we think, yeah, those bad people, they're just that way. They love darkness rather than light. And we think that we're somehow different. No, we're that very person right there. We just naturally hate the light and love the darkness because we're just naturally adulterous and physically, both physically and spiritually. Our deeds are evil by nature. Our deeds, by being in Adam, that's just the way it is. That those Jews that live don't hear my word. You seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. Skipping down to verse 30, 43. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. Now, why can they not hear his word? Well, my word has no place in you because you cannot hear my word. Those are Christ's own words here in John 8. It's no accident that the very next chapter is the story of the healing of the man who was born blind from birth. We, we read those verses. Jesus passed by and saw a man that was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him and saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus said, Neither this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God might be made manifest in him. This man was of age. He was an adult 
and he had never once seen the light of day. John 9, verse, verses 18 through 21. But the Jews did not believe told his parents, the parents of him that he received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son, whom you say he was born blind? How does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we know not. Or who has opened his eyes, we know not. He's of age, ask him. He shall speak for himself. He was of age. He had he'd lived his whole life blind, and he was an adult. Can you imagine what it must have been like for this adult man when he was first able to see? We should all be able to identify with this man because this man typifies us. We should all be able to remember when we too were spiritually blind as a bat, and then one day we simply could not have seen before because his words had no place in us, and we simply could not at that time hear his word. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot. There was a time when I remember well when I simply could not hear neither the words, word nor the voice of the Lord. Every one of us has had a very, that very same experience. Our blinded eyes were opened, and we began to see the things of the Spirit. Our deaf ears were opened, and we began to hear the, word of, the voice of the true shepherd. Until that time, we were completely blinded by the lies of our spiritual darkness. We couldn't hear the Lord's voice because all we heard was the voice of another Jesus, the voice of a stranger. This truth is revealed in the very next chapter of John, the 10th chapter. When he puts forth his sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Recognizing the voice of the true shepherd is a very rare gift. It is, it is as rare as being healed of being blind since birth. And when we cannot make that distinction, we are ignorantly being led around about by the voice of strangers, or what Paul calls another Jesus. For we have preached, or if you receive another spirit which you have not received, or another gospel which you have not accepted, you might well bear bear with him. Oh, yeah, we are always so quick to go for the, the fake instead of the reality, the, the real thing. For no other reason than, John 9, verse 3, Jesus answered, Neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in us. Jesus, who through his Father's Spirit is working all things after the counsel of his own will, comes by us and sees our blindness and our spiritually deaf condition. And he takes mercy on us, very few people. But on the few, he, the, not the many called, but the few chosen. And he heals us. Now we can see. Now we can hear and distinguish the voice of the true shepherd from the voice of a stranger. That's the message of these last two ver few verses of our study today. It's been all a miraculous work of the Lord God who has given us ears 
that hear and eyes that see the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Verse, verse 4 and 5. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakes morning by morning. He wakes mine ear to hear as the learned. The Lord has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. Who has ears to hear? But do not abide in his word. To them it is not given. For whosoever has, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever has not, from him shall be taken even that that he has. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they see, see not, and hearing they hear not. Well, they hear, they see, but they see not, and they hear not. Like being a, a Abraham's seed. They're Abraham's seed, but they're not Abraham's seed. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, by hearing you'll hear and not understand, seeing you'll see and not really perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes have they closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and should, be, should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Lest, not so that, but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men, meaning all the people of the Old Testament, have desired to see the things that you see and have not seen them, and to hear the things that you have heard. You hear and have not heard it. All the people in the Old Testament and all the people in the New Testament, except for a very few. Or I mean in New Testament times. That's our study for today. And next week we'll finish off this 50th chapter of Isaiah. And uh, see that it does trials to partake of that first resurrection. Severe trials, but it's going to be worth it.